0: Well, guys, it's my opportunity um, to introduce our guest speaker, um, John Smith. Pastor John Smith has been part of Reload for several years, and uh, John has become a very good friend of mine and uh, just love this brother, and uh, he's got some things to share with us. John is just a great multitasker in this season in life. um, God is just providing opportunities for Pastor John and a lot of different arenas, and he may touch on some of those, but would you give a, give a warm reload welcome to Pastor John Smith? Thank you. God is really, really good. He's absolutely amazing. But can I share something with you this morning that might almost sound heretical, but it's not. Can you imagine that God looks at you and sees you as one of His heroes? Good answer. Yes. And sometimes we think, you know, He's the hero, and He is. And then he looks at every single one of you that he created in his image. And he delights in calling you son. He loves to introduce you to all his friends. And he sees you as one of his heroes. Let me read a couple of verses to you from my very first Bible given to me by my parents, even has my name on the front, John Smith. It's a great Bible. Now, I'm old enough, guess what version of the Bible my parents gave me? Didn't have many choices back then. (laughs) King James. So here we go. Chapter 3, the book of John. I share the name. Verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever, I love that word, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you ever think that God's main goal in life is to condemn you, you got the wrong gospel. His whole purpose is to save you and to spend every moment of life on earth and then later in heaven with you because he delights in you. You're one of his heroes. He loves hanging out with you. He loves being with you. He loves watching you in operation. I remember as a young boy how great it felt going someplace with my dad, always felt safe with my dad, always felt loved with my dad, and he loved to introduce me to his friends. And no matter where he went, no matter where we were, he always met somebody who knew him, and he always proudly introduced me as his son. This morning I have the privilege of two of my three sons being here, My son, Aaron, is here taking photos. He's an excellent photographer and videographer. And he's my son by choice. He chose to marry my daughter. And just a little inside thing, I had the privilege of officiating at all of my kids' weddings. And when Aaron and Sarah got married, at one point in the ceremony, I just said, is there any young man in the world good enough to marry my daughter, Sarah? And then I just paused. (laughs) He thinks I paused for about an hour. (laughs) But the answer was, yes, Aaron, and love him. My son Andrew is uh, filming this. We're hoping to post this on the Pastor Kay website uh, sometime after this. My son Matt would love to be here, but he lives in Colorado and a little bit long commute. But I have such joy, I did that with several of you this morning, introducing you to my sons. They're my heroes. I love them. God blessed me with one of the best dads on the planet. A lot of people can't see that. I'm one of the fortunate few who can. He was amazing in so many wonderful ways. His name was Wesley John Smith. That's where I got the name John Wesley Smith. And dad is one of my heroes. But he never would have described himself as a hero. Never would have. Blue-collar worker, electrician by trade. He served in the Army Air Force for two years during World War II, but he never ever considered himself a hero. He was an airplane radar technician. And at church, when they would have veterans stand up, dad would never stand. He said, no, that's only for the combat veterans. Those are the real heroes. So he wouldn't even stand and be recognized. It became pretty easy for me to follow in those footsteps. I served in the Army Reserves for six years, 1970 to 1976. But I never considered my military service to really have any significance. I joined the Army Reserves about a month after my 18th birthday. If you remember what was going on in the country at that point, it was a crazy time, late 60s, early 70s. A lot of people were defecting to Canada because on December 1st, 1969, they did something they hadn't done since 1942, they had a lottery to see who got drafted to go to Vietnam. Well, I didn't want to go to Vietnam, I didn't want to go to Canada, so I thought, I'll sign up for the Army Reserves not really thinking it through, just kind of one of those impulsive decisions. Next thing you know, I got my hand raised and next six years of my life are accounted for. I started Western Michigan University with the goal of becoming an airline pilot only to discover that I received orders to report to Fort Polk, Louisiana on November 20th to start basic training in the Army. Crazy days, crazy days. But out of the 200 men in my company, We went through the training, two of us were reservists, went back home to our reserve unit. Mine was in Kalamazoo. The other 198 got orders to go to Vietnam. I don't know how many came back, but it was a crazy, crazy time. And I was conflicted most of those six years. Part of me was proud to serve my country, part of me was embarrassed. It was really hard to know, and the public sentiment toward the military was all over the place at that time. And so my first experience at basic training was having my long hair shut down to no hair. And so I found a way to be in the Army and have long hair, because I was in the Reserves, and I was really good at wearing a short-haired wig. And I got by with that for years, it was amazing. And then in the early part of 1974, my platoon leader informed me that they had chosen me to go to NCO school, non-commissioned officer school. I didn't request it. I didn't want to do it. They gave me no choice. And so I went through several months of classes and training, and then in the early part of um, June, July, I had to go to two weeks of NCO school at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And during our weekend meeting in 1974, July, with my entire company standing in formation, my company commander mentioned my name and then read this letter that embarrassed the daylights out of me. It was from the Commandant of Fort Sill, Oklahoma. You are commended for your outstanding achievement on becoming an honor graduate of the Non-Commissioned Officers Academy during the period of 30 June 1974 through 12 July 1974. Your total grade point average of 100% is an achievement of which you can be proud. Through your diligent work and attention to detail, this great average earned you the honor of being named an honor graduate of your class. This resulted from much extra effort, knowledge, and application on your part. You have demonstrated your ability as a non-commissioned officer in the U.S. Army and bring credit upon yourself and your unit. Please accept my personal congratulations and best wishes wishes in your future endeavors. A copy of this letter will be placed in your permanent 201 file. Arnold P. Sage, Lieutenant Colonel, Infantry, U.S. Army Reserves, Commandant. That should have been my response. That should have been my response. He was trying to honor me. But because of the internal conflict, I was embarrassed to the point that when he called me up front, my commander, I simply walked up front, violated every piece of my training, every part of Army protocol, didn't even salute my commanding officer, received it, went back, kind of embarrassed and humiliated and stood back in formation in my platoon. I'm not proud of it. I wish I had done it different, but that was what was going on inside me. Needless to say, they did not give me my promotion to sergeant. Rightly so. Now you might understand just a little bit more about why I would never imagine that I would wear a shirt with the word hero on it. Last April... Pastor Tom and Pastor Tim Gilio, we were riding in Pastor Tom's truck to Battle Creek to meet with a bunch of pastors for a conference there. And all the way there, Pastor Tom was telling me about the return and how impactful it was in his life. One of the most incredible spiritual experiences he had ever had. And Tim was talking about his experience as well. And then all the way back. And they wanted to introduce me to Chuck Call at the event, because he was there also, but it was, a, it was a busy event, a lot going on, and that never actually happened, I saw him at a distance, and so when I got back, I called Chuck and said, can I come over and meet with you, I want to hear more about the return, I've heard several men at Reload talk about it. it, sounds like a great thing, but I'd like to hear it from you, and he said, yeah, come on over. We met on a Friday, I think I was there three hours, and uh, I shared my story, he shared his story, and then I said, okay. This sounds so great. I want to be able to tell others about it, but I have to experience it first. So, what I'd like you to do is you choose whether I go to Texas or Big Rapids. You choose what month I go, and you choose which side of it. Because I heard there was the return, and then there was the hero's return. He said, Well, do you have any military experience? I said, Well, I was in the Army of Reserves. Oh, well, definitely. You're going on the hero's return, then. That's settled. Um, in Big Rapids, July 14 to 18. I have found the value of trusting people I love and respect. And when they have some experience I haven't had yet, and they describe it that way, rather than going, oh, I'm going, okay, God, I'm going to do this, and I'm so glad I let Chuck choose all the above. It was exactly the right choice for me. There were 12 of us. On the hero's return, 17 on the return. Two groups. We did a bunch of things together and quite a few things separate. In my group of 12, there was one seasoned police officer. Ten military combat veterans. Mitch was one of them. Then there was me, a pastor who had six years in the Army Reserves. And every one of those guys said, you're one of us. It doesn't matter how you served, where you served, when you served, what you did. If you were in, in any capacity, you are one of us. I had never felt that way with that kind of acceptance from people. Those guys were my heroes. And I said, you're one of us. That was more powerful than I know how to put into words. And I am absolutely 100% sure that in the other 17 guys, they had a similar thing. You're one of us, you're in this. And when you share deeply what's going on in your life, you get a bond with people that is not easily broken. Because we were told at the beginning, you're going to get out of this what you put into it. So I made a decision at that moment, I'm going all in. I'm holding nothing back. I'm just going to lay it all out on the table, whatever we end up to do. And there were a few guys in our group of 12 that said to me, I have never heard a pastor speak so honestly, openly, transparently, vulnerably, in front of other men. And it really impacted them and helped them if that's what they told me. I didn't know what I was going to deal with. I've been through counseling, I've been through intensive counseling, I've been through once a week counseling, dealt through a lot of the trauma I had earlier in life. And so I just went, whatever you want me to deal with Holy Spirit, you reveal it and I will. What he knew and what I knew but didn't know that was going to become the focus was that I was still grieving the death of my father. March 29th, he breathed his last breath the day after Palm Sunday. And I spent a lot of time with him in that last year and a half, but I got robbed of my weekly visit to my dad through covid and some of our governors restrictions and rules that i followed most of the time and finally decided this is my dad and he's more important than you and if you don't like it lock me up or whatever you want to do but i'm going to go see my dad and i should have done that all the way along my brother jeff was a little bit smarter he said he's and i also didn't want to expose my dad He turned 96 on February 7th, and uh, he was full of life and full of love, and just a couple months later, he was gone. His funeral service was scheduled for the Saturday before Easter. I was going to be officiating along with the hospice chaplain, and then on Thursday night, I went to my grandson Alex's baseball game. It was a cold, windy, crazy night. Sarah and Aaron were there. We all had winter coats on. And next morning, they got tested, and Sarah, Aaron, Addison all tested positive for COVID. The doctor said there's no way that I would have been exposed. We were outside, bundled up, wind, all that. But I know there are members of my family who look at this very differently than I do, and they're very cautious, very concerned about it. And so I said, I will choose not to attend my dad's funeral to respect and honor other members of my family and not cause them to be nervous, nor would I lie about the fact that I had that exposure. So I did go to the graveside, but I stayed 25 feet away from everybody, had a mask on and it was outside, but I couldn't go to his funeral service. And there were some things that my dad had shared with me in those last days of life where he had two regrets. You know, sometimes we can end life with no regrets. Yeah, not if we're really honest. We all have some regrets. He had two that he verbalized. One, he wished he had read his Bible more often. And two, he wished he had verbally told people about Jesus more often. I was going to share those, and then I was going to share a couple of my major regrets with my dad, but I didn't have the opportunity to do so. On the hero's return, we had an exercise where we were out alone and we were to write a letter to ourselves from our Heavenly Father. This is what I wrote. It's all in my workbook, but I printed it out so I could read it a little easier. Dear John, my very precious son, I love you so much. I delight in you just the way you are. I am so proud of you. I enjoy every moment we spend alone together. I'm really glad you came on the Hero's Return event. I knew this would be the perfect timing for you as you continue grieving the loss of your dad and as you find your way in clearly understanding what I'm calling you to do next. I have called you to be a watchman. I'm so glad you're obediently following my prompting to attend the School of the Watchman taught by Apostle Stan Johnson in Plano, Texas in June. I want you to continue sharing and teaching others what you learned. Too many people in America have no clue what is coming, and I want you to warn them. You fell in love with the book of Revelation when you wrote out the entire book in your own handwriting. I want you to continue reading, studying, learning, and sharing, with it, other, sharing it with others. Don't try to impose it on an existing church. Most are not interested in what I'm revealing The Apostle John in Revelation. Start a new church by teaching people to love and believe the book of Revelation. I know you don't feel adequate to do it. That's why I connected you with Apostle Stan Johnson and the Prophecy Club a little over a year ago. People need to hear the truth, and I'm calling you to be one of my spokesmen and watchmen. Do not fear. Do not worry. I'm with you always. I will take care of you and Sue. I will take care of your family, too. Great job, son, in deciding what part of your story to share with Mike this morning. You kept it very real, very personal, and very current. You wisely chose not to go way back into your past because you've already processed and worked through all of that. You correctly identified things you needed to share. The home going of your dad, finding the simple deer blind to sit in while you shared your story with Mike and spending the next five hours alone with me in the deer blind overlooking the fishing pond was the perfect choice. You can do it. You have what it takes. You know what to do and what needs to be done. The next day, we were invited to find a place on this incredible 900 acre ranch to be alone with God and write a letter to our earthly father. This is a direct quote from my workbook. Dear dad, I love you so much. I miss you more than you can imagine. I think about you many times every day. We were given an hour to be outside, find a place where we could be alone and sit and do our next assignment. I immediately knew I wanted and needed to walk back and sit in the same simple deer blind that I sat in yesterday. It's a little nicer, but not as unique and fun as the way you taught me to build a deer blind out in the woods with the sticks laying around on the ground. You taught me first as a young boy, I loved being alone with you on our hunting trips. Then you taught me again as an adult man, please forgive me for not wanting to continue the tradition of going deer hunting with you every year. The last time I went with you and Jeff, you had an issue with me about money I'd borrowed from you but hadn't paid you back yet. You talked with Jeff about it on the hunting trip, but you never talked to me about it. Then Jeff came to my house and told me how hurt and upset you were about it. That really wounded my heart deeply, that you wouldn't talk to me about it. You were wrong. I forgive you. I was wrong, too. Rather than talking to you and telling how hurt it was, I simply repaid all the money I borrowed from you and told you I was sorry, and I asked you for your forgiveness, and you granted it. What I never told you was that I made a vow never to go deer hunting with you again because you chose not to talk to me about something that really bothered you, but you confided in Jeff instead. And I never made arrangements for my sons to go deer hunting with their grandpa. I was wrong. And my sons missed out on an awesome opportunity to connect with their grandpa doing something you love. I know how much you would have enjoyed the opportunity to teach them how to hunt and hunt with them. A few days after you went home to be with Jesus, I shared this with Jeff in your garage. Jeff was very kind and gentle and compassionate with me. This November, Matt and Nandu and I are all going deer hunting with Jeff and Adrian up north. Brian is very sad he can't go along with us because Sarah's Dewey, their third child. Aaron had a commitment for another trip this November. Hopefully next year, we can all go deer hunting together. I saw two deer while I was walking to the blind. I smiled and laughed as I thought of you. Thank you, Dad, for giving me the honor of sharing your name and the privilege of continuing your legacy as part of your family. Proud to be your son, John. And then we were instructed to write a letter to ourselves from our earthly father. And this is what I wrote. This is my understanding of what my dad would be saying to me. Dear John, I love you so much. Heaven is so much better than I imagined. Jesus is more awesome than words can express. It is breathtakingly beautiful and wonderful. Everything I enjoyed about nature was only a foretaste of what God has waiting for us. Continue to spread God's word with as many people as you can in every way you can. Remember my two regrets that I shared with you during my final days on earth. I wish I had read my Bible more, and I wish I had verbally told more people about Jesus more often. Learn from my regrets, and don't repeat them. You were a wonderful pastor. I was always so very proud of you. I'm sure you remember how many times I asked you if you were going to pastor a church again. I was always very proud of you, but also very thankful for your ministry of Pastor Care. I always read all of your newsletters, but in my heart, I always hoped and prayed that God would call you to pastor a church again. Now that I'm in heaven, that hope and desire for you is even stronger. I want you to know how much I love you and how proud I am of you. You have what it takes. You can do it. You are a man. You are a warrior. And I'm sorry I didn't teach you how to lead or how to fight, but you are a leader. You do know how to fight. You are continuing to learn more. Continue to love your wife, Sue, and each of your children, and your children by marriage, and your grandchildren. Thank you for remembering the promise you made to me when you were releasing me to go home to be with Jesus. I know you will do everything possible to keep the family together. And yes, I remember. Thank you for teaching me how to hug you and others. And thank you for teaching me how to tell you I love you and others too. You are my very precious and dearly loved son dead. Twelve veterans, first responders, started on Wednesday evening as strangers. On Sunday, twelve heroes were brothers. We pledged to stay connected and united to be there for one another. I call us Andrizo Squad Twelve. As we were leaving, they warned us and prepared us that things could get really crazy after our event was over. We could be tested, tempted by Satan. Things could happen that we hadn't expected. We were done Sunday afternoon. Monday at 4.45 p.m., my brother Jeff called and said, Mom had fallen and was unresponsive. At 5.05, he called again, and she had passed away at 5 o'clock just a few minutes before he arrived. Papa God was right there with me as I received the news that my mom had gone home to be with him. And I found peace and comfort knowing that her agonizing dementia, where she had all these terrifying things going on in her brain, were finally over and God had taken her home peacefully, quickly, with no pain or suffering. Friday night, at the funeral home in Kalamazoo for my mom, Four of my Andrizo squad 12 brothers showed up. Powerful. A couple others were trying to get there, and one got sick and one had to work, and, but I know they were all there in spirit, but four actually made it amazing. I don't have adequate words to describe how much that meant to me. So let me ask you again. Can you imagine God seeing you as one of his heroes? Let me read a couple verses as I close. Out of Luke 15. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring it hither, the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. That's how Papa God sees every single one of you. For every man who's been on The Return or The Hero's Return, would you please join me for just a moment right up front here? If you've been on either The Return or The Hero's Return, please come and stand around. And we're going to say two words loudly three times. The first word is going to be andrizo, which means strong and courageous. The second word is freedom. So are we ready? One, two, three... Andrizo Freedom Second time? Andrizo Freedom and third time, Andrizo Freedom God bless you.